Welcome to Well Grounded. This is Randy Conan with the Red River Farm Network. And this is Jason Menke from Acres and Shares. This podcast brings together experts from the world of agriculture and real estate. We'll talk about farmland values, industry trends, and the economy. In this edition of Well Grounded, our guest is Joe Mann. He is a regional outreach director at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. Mann's primary responsibilities involve tracking several sectors, including agriculture, of the 9th District Economy, an area which covers Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and portions of Wisconsin and Michigan. Each May, Mann publishes an agriculture condition survey. Today, we'll talk about this year's survey, which was published in mid-May. Welcome, Joe. Welcome. Good to be here. So to, to start with, Joe, I thought it would be helpful for our listeners if you could provide a background of the study, maybe what it entails, how long the, the Fed has, has uh, done this study in, in this yeah. time of year. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do so. Um, so actually, I just start things off, I would be a little hesitant to call it a study because that makes it sound a little bit more scientific than it actually is. This is a, a survey that we do of agricultural credit conditions. Uh, in the Ninth Federal Reserve District, and you mentioned already the states that we cover. Uh, we include uh, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, and then also Montana and portions of Wisconsin and Michigan. So it's a survey of agricultural bankers in our region, and a few important qualifications on that. Uh, it's a it, it, it only includes banks that are Federal Reserve members. So without getting into the details of how banks are regulated. Uh, a lot of our agricultural lenders uh, uh, across rural regions of the United States are state chartered banks. They're not necessarily Federal Reserve members. Uh, so this is kind of a subset of your community banks in rural communities that do agricultural lending. And we're only surveying those banks that are members of ours that are heavily concentrated in agricultural lending. So it ends up not being a lot of banks. In fact, uh, for the most recent survey, we had 67 respondents for this five, six state region that we cover. And, uh, and that's kind of the spirit of it. It's, we call it a survey, but um, it's really more accurately described as a poll. And we do it on a quarterly basis. So we do this four times a year. Uh, the one that we're talking about today just came out in May, uh, and that covered the first quarter of the year. We conduct the surveys at the end of the quarter after it's over. So the period that this survey covers is January through March. But the survey itself was actually conducted throughout the month of April, and we just released it here at the beginning of May. We ask about what happened over the previous three months and what expectations are for the coming three months. And like I said, we do this survey four times a year, um, and it's a great way of sort of taking the pulse of agriculture in our region, which, of course, is, is, is one of the most important uh, sectors in, in the economy in our part of the country and even though it's not really a scientific random sample of a survey, we think of it more as being kind of a panel of experts that we're checking in with on a regular basis who really know their communities. They really know uh, agriculture in their areas through their clients, and they can tell us about how their clients are doing in terms of their finances and in terms of some of the other farm indicators. Such an unusual year last year going yeah. into this year than in 2021 crop year. What's the pulse? What are, what are farmers, uh, how are things looking? Well, right now things are looking pretty good. Um, and of course, you know, I don't need to tell your, your, your listeners about what's happened over the last decade or so in agriculture. It's been a pretty wild ride. Of course, we began the, the, the last decade kind of riding a high wave of, of commodity prices. 
uh, those those prices eventually kind of came back to earth and have been uh, you know pretty low for for really since really since about 2014. Um, saw the peak in 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 2013 2014 depending on which commodity you're looking at. Um, and uh, so really for the, the last five, six years, this survey has consistently been, the respondents have been consistently telling us that they're seeing reduced farm incomes, uh, more financial stress on farm households, and that's reflected in lower rates of uh, repayment on farm loans and uh, a, lot, a lot more demand for loans. But that's reversed over the last six months. So really, uh, when, we, when, we did our, when we did our fourth quarter survey in 2020, um, which was released in January, uh, and really the, the 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 quarter prior to that, but especially over the last six months, we started to see some reversal in that, and especially in this most recent survey, this first quarter survey that covered January through March, the lenders' overwhelming majority of them told us they saw an increase in farm incomes. Uh, it was uh, it was it was about eighty seven percent, and almost all of the remainder told us that farm incomes held steady relative to a year earlier. Uh, we only had a very small percentage of them tell us that incomes were down. Um, so strong farm incomes uh, going into 2021, going into the to the planting season, um, a sort of coincident with that, lower rates of demand for farm loans. Farmers aren't as cash strapped, uh, and other agricultural producers not as cash strapped, so not as much demand uh, for 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 loans, and uh, and higher repayment rates on farm loans. Uh, and a number of other sort of financial indicators uh, showing some positive developments, uh, as well as uh, as well as the land values, kind of an interesting change from the recent trend, which we can talk about in a moment. Sure. Well, let's just transition right into that. So, yeah. what did you see for cash rents? Uh, let's start there, and then land values uh, in North Dakota and Minnesota. So, looking at cash rents, we saw um, we saw growth in in uh, in cash rents in the first quarter for land in our region, particularly for for non-irrigated farmland. On average, across all the states in our region, we saw an increase of about seven point seven percent year over year in cash prevailing cash rents on non-irrigated land. And I do want to stress that this is covering our entire Ninth Federal Reserve District region. We do break out some responses by state, but as I started out uh, mentioning, the number of respondents that we have across our region is pretty small to begin with. So once you start slicing and dicing by state, uh, it gets even smaller. But just for the sake of it, I'll I'll mention, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the states that probably your listeners are most interested in are going to be Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Um, and uh, same pattern within each of those states. So as I mentioned, non-irrigated land rents up 7.7% for the region, uh, exact same percent change for North Dakota in our survey among the respondents in North Dakotas. And again, average across the state. So it's probably going to vary quite a bit. If you're comparing the, the Red River Valley to Western North Dakota, uh, you're, going to, you're going to probably see quite a bit of differentiation, but we, we, we don't get into that level of geographic detail. Um, <clears throat> turning to South Dakota, rents were up 3.1% and in Minnesota up 7.1%. Uh, again, year over year um, at, at, in April compared to, when, to a year earlier when, uh, when the respondents uh, were, were taking the survey. Just just to interject for a second, Joe. So one of the things that uh, I had mentioned when you and I spoke uh, to line up this podcast is uh, I put out a newsletter twice a year um, in the process of writing my spring newsletter right now. And I just think it's important for the listeners to know that, you know, this this is just a pulse, but 
what you're saying is it really shows that there's some optimism out there right now in yeah. farming. Um, that's typically the trend when you see higher higher cash rents, especially. Um, nobody wants to pay more rent, but everybody wants more ground, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting, actually. So no, I would I, that is an absolutely an accurate characterization of the overall results of this survey is to say that we saw uh, we saw a lot of optimism. Um, and again, this has been. Uh, this has been a, a pattern or trend that we've seen over the last couple of survey periods, but especially it really jumped in the first quarter of this year. Um, and I mentioned I mentioned those income figures, just the comments that we're getting from uh, from from lenders as well, where they're just sort of typing in their their text responses and telling us uh, that they're seeing really really strong conditions in their areas. Um, a few a few sort of more cautionary comments, and we can get into those in a moment. But overall. The sense that I'm getting from the comments in our survey responses, as well as just outside of the survey, just my anecdotal conversations with uh, with with folks in the industry, uh, is that is that things are looking up. You know, we had the the previous few years. Uh, there was, uh, you know, obviously we your 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 listeners are quite familiar with um, the the government aid programs uh, that were put in uh, largely in response to the trade war going back a few years ago, um, those market facilitation payments and some of those other programs that were really helpful. Those happen to still be in effect for a lot of 2020. And now what we've seen over the last six months is this rally in, especially in the prices for the core crops produced in our region, corn, soybeans, and wheat. Um, And then also more recently, a little bit for some of those, some of those livestock prices as well. And those are all just reflecting in uh, higher incomes. And then I, I would be remiss not to mention uh, generally pretty strong, pretty good yields, strong harvests over 2020, as you mentioned, Randy, uh, and all that translating into having a lot of crop to bring to market and, uh, and um, <clears throat> pretty strong prices for those. So it's, a, so it's a pretty good combination of factors. And I think pretty, pretty welcome among producers in the region, uh, given, what's, given what's gone on sort of in, over the previous half decade or so. Is it unusual to see the move this quick after a good year like that, or, or is that common? I wouldn't say it's that unusual. I mean, I I think um, you know we've, as I said, we we've kind of been in a lull for the past uh, for the past like six years, really. Um, and so, given that we saw a pretty quick reversal, and again, over the last um, over the last couple of years, a lot of comments about how. Incomes would have been down a lot more had it not been for government payments. So we know that a lot of those assistance programs uh, were were a, a shot in the arm for at least for certain agricultural producers or certain parts of our region. And so actually, I think you know, if in the absence of those, it might have been any you know maybe an even more extreme term. But that's just speculation on my part. Um, I think yeah, I think given given how quickly prices turned around starting late last year. And heading into this year, um, it's not unusual to see uh, a relatively quick change in sentiment. Again, turning to some of those, uh, some of the comments that that respondents were submitting, there were some some words of I wouldn't say caution, uh, but uncertainty about whether or not what we're seeing right now is going to be sustained. Uh, and then also, I would I I, I can't go without mentioning uh, the the development of pretty severe drought conditions in parts of our region, not necessarily so much in the Red River Valley, although we've started to see uh, some dry conditions in the Red River Valley, but particularly in western North Dakota, uh, northwest South Dakota, and then uh, heading heading toward that um, that Golden Triangle region of Montana, 
pretty extreme drought conditions in those in those areas right now. And we did hear some comments from uh, from the from the lenders responding to our survey that they are concerned about that and that they're worried about uh, they're worried about their producers in their area. If folks are looking at holding land, I think that's good information for them to know that that cash rents are trending up when you're looking at renewing your leases. Uh, let's look at land values. If somebody's looking at selling uh, in, in the short term, uh, potentially with uh, tax law changes in, in limbo, um, let's talk about land values. Yeah, so land values is one of the things that we ask about on, uh, uh, on a quarterly basis. Every time we do this survey, we just ask lenders, uh, what's an acre of good land in your area going for? And that gives us a nice baseline because we get a sort of a per acre uh, per acre average that we can take uh, across our states and our region. And then also because we survey the same lenders uh, every quarter, we can compare just looking at the folks who responded in uh, both the, the most recent quarter and then the same quarter a year earlier, we can get a nice apples to apples comparison of what they told us land was going for a year ago versus what it's going for now. And what we saw in the first quarter was a, a, a fairly sudden spike in, in land values. And again, I'll mention some, some signs of this prior to doing this survey that we'd seen in, in previous surveys, we'd seen some uh, small small upward movement in land prices, again, just looking at the survey averages. But what we saw for the first quarter survey results this year was across the Ninth Federal Reserve District, uh, a, a nearly 7% increase year over year in the value of an acre of non-irrigated farmland. It was 6.8% was the actual figure. And again, that's an average for all the states in our region. Uh, turning to uh, turning to those central three states, uh, North Dakota, we saw a 5.6% increase in non-irrigated land, South Dakota, 7.4% increase, and Minnesota actually came in at 10.3% increase in, uh, in the value of non-irrigated land. Um, I do want to mention, we ask about non-irrigated farmland and the prevailing price for that. Uh, we do also ask about irrigated land and we ask about ranch and pasture land as well. Those values not up as much. In fact, on average across our region, uh, irrigated land values actually the average went down slightly year over year um, and pasture land came in exactly flat, uh, same, same year over year uh, value. But those non-irrigated land values uh, really jumped and uh, quite a bit of acceleration relative to the uh, sort, of, sort of sideways movement we've seen over previous years. We talked about net farm income. Obviously, that's stronger. Um, another huge factor with uh, with these land values going stronger would be interest rates. Um, looking at your information for the last three years, going back to the second quarter of of nineteen or just past couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, looks like we're at four point four for fixed and four point two percent for variable on your survey, and uh, that that's got to be the lowest in in a long, long time or forever. What are your, what's your take there? Yeah, the, 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 the reading in the most recent uh, quarter uh, was, was it was downward movement yet again in, uh, in interest rates. Um, and that's been, that's been consistent since, uh, as you mentioned, uh, early 2019 was actually the peak that we saw most recently in those farm interest rates. And they've been moving down sometimes faster, sometimes slower uh, over over the period uh, over the period since. So uh, just to put some numbers on that, we saw uh, average uh, average fixed rates for operating loans at four point seven percent 
uh, over over the first quarter of this year, average variable rates at 4.5%. Uh, and again, both of those values down relative to the quarter previously. And it's the same story for uh, for machinery and intermediate loans and for real estate loans as well. Uh, all of those categories are down both for uh, fixed and variable uh, rate loans. And uh, some of them more than others. We saw a bigger downward movement, I'll mention, uh, in the previous survey, in the fourth quarter of uh, of 2020, relative to uh, to the to the third quarter before it, uh, but we did see those tick down once again over this period. Do you see this uh, sustaining or, or stabilizing? You know, I wish I had a better crystal ball um, uh, for a longer period. For, for when it comes to this survey. The only sort of outlook we ask about is is the the next quarter, so which is the one we're in right now. So again, just to sort of put some some time parameters on this, we conducted this survey in April, asking a backward looking uh, about the first quarter of this year, and then we asked what their expectations were for the second quarter. And overall, those expectations for the second quarter, uh, for the sort of planting season and into and into the summer growing season, uh, were were positive. Um, not not quite as positive, but uh, just to kind of put a put some numbers on that, uh, close to 75% of the lenders in our survey expected farm incomes to increase more uh, in in the second quarter of, of this year uh, relative to the second quarter a year earlier. These are all year over year comparisons uh, I'm making here. Um, so so three quarters of the lenders uh, expecting our incomes to come up. Almost all of the rest were expecting steady incomes, uh, not necessarily increasing, but not going down. Hardly anyone said they expected incomes to decrease. So not quite the same level that told us in, incomes increased over the first quarter, but pretty good uh, relative to uh, to the recent history. Um, so yeah, the the outlook overall for um, for the sector, at least through the second quarter, when we ask about, was pretty positive. A little bit more moderate than. Uh, than what we saw in the first quarter, but still positive overall. And I, as I mentioned, there were some concerns expressed within uh, the comments about drought, and then also just kind of about the the amount of volatility that we've seen in the sector, and specifically within with commodity prices recently, and whether or not this rally we're seeing right now is going to be sustainable. As we wrap this up, um, any other uh, information from the research that you did that you think would be helpful for landowners? Uh, no, I think that's, um, you know, I think th that really covers it. You know, it's um, all, all we can really say is sort of what happened, uh, you know, relative to a year earlier. I do want to stress again, just to put, you know, a little bit of context around these numbers, that it's a relatively small number of people uh, that are responding to this survey. We do like to think of them as fairly knowledgeable. Um, obviously, these are folks who are accepting land as collateral, uh, for lending, so they have a pretty good idea about what what land values in their area are going for. Um, and I should mention that the you know the more the more uh, sort of gold standard numbers that the USDA puts out on an annual basis, uh, those are going to come out I think in August. That's when they usually come out. Um, we tend to track pretty well with those over time. So what we tend to see in our quarterly surveys uh, tends to correspond pretty closely with what the USDA finds when they release those numbers. Um, so that's really that's really kind of where I would leave it. We're seeing pretty low interest rate environment, um, higher incomes, less borrowing. Those are all good things. I think the you know going back to the the early part of the last decade when there were when there were some uh, people in the industry sort of expressing concerns about 
whether farmland values were were in a bubble, whether it was a sustainable sort of situation. Um, there, you know, one of the things we started paying a lot of attention to was was leverage uh, uh, rates, and um, you know, and comparing to that 1980s farm crisis period, we just didn't see we didn't see producers leverage themselves up as much during that boom period uh, in the in the early part of the 2010s when land values were really soaring. So they weren't really borrowing against those really elevated land values. So uh, even though conditions have been difficult for the last few years, they went into that, uh, a lot of our producers went into that period pretty well positioned. Uh, of course, they've eaten down a lot of that working capital. So it's a good sign to see uh, some reversal in incomes and start to see, uh, hopefully folks build build back up the, the, those cash stores. Thanks to Joe Mann for being part of this conversation. The Well-Grounded Podcast is a presentation of Acres and Shares and the Red River Farm Network. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. It's also available at rrfn.com and acresandshares.com. Until next time, I'm Randy Conan. And I'm Jason Mendy.